0: Spookies, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour podcast. I'm Sam, your host, and this week we have special guest MJ Kerr joining us for the episode. Before we get started, though, I wanted to mention a new horror book called Fashion Trends and Deadly Ends that's coming out later this year (laughs) by Brianna Malotke. I hope I said that right, Brianna, and published by Green Avenue Books. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it real quick. Fashion Trends and Deadly Ends is a horror poetry collection inspired by historical fashion trends. It will be released likely around August 2023 and is Malotky's debut horror poetry collection. In the coming months, there will be a cover reveal and a finalized release date. For more from the author, you can visit her website at malotkywrites.com which I will link in the description of this episode for you. And be sure to keep an eye out for this new read. It definitely sounds like it's going to be an interesting one. All right, little spookies, let's get into tonight's episode. We're going to be discussing Floyd Collins and the ghost of Mammoth Cave. Now, I know that Mammoth Cave is just outside the fringes of Appalachia, but it's sort of Appalachia-adjacent. In any case, it's definitely worth talking about. I mean, what better setting for the strange and unusual than the longest known cave system in the world, right? Now, two years ago, so 2021, MJ and I took a road trip through my home state of Kentucky, and one of our stops was Mammoth Cave. I had been there before, but this was her first time there. So before we talk about the haunts, what was your first impression of Mammoth? Well, I guess first
1: and foremost, it's big. Um, such a simple word. it's just it's big. It was huge. Um caves are not something that I have a lot over here in BC. I live in the Pacific Northwest. And we have caves, but not the scope of what you have in Appalachia and Appalachia adjacent. So, To me, Mammoth Cave was absolutely breathtaking and a bit overwhelming just from its sheer size. It's beautiful, daunting, a little creepy as well, I have to be honest. The land above the caves too, like the, you know, above ground was absolutely stunning. But the first
0: impression though
1: was, yeah, it was big. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Now, Mammoth Cave definitely earned its name. Um, It is mammoth, absolutely huge. Not necessarily in terms of like size of the caverns necessarily, but we're talking like in terms of miles. There are 400 miles of this cave that have been mapped and possibly up to another 600 that haven't even been discovered yet. That is a lot of passageways. It is almost hard to fathom that something could be that massive underground and in addition to being absolutely huge the cave also has a very long history involving people the cave was purchased in 1839 by dr john crogan i think that's how you say his name i'm not gonna lie here i didn't look up how to pronounce it i think it's (laughs) crogan um my brain just went dead okay Okay, it was Perspective Krogan. Um, that's kind of when scientific exploration started. But history has us go back even further in time. About 5,000 or so years ago, Native Americans discovered the cave and for over two centuries explored the passages and mined the three upper levels of the cave system. So you have to imagine. 5,000 years of exploration definitely opens up the potential for paranormal activity, right? Oh, absolutely. That is a
1: huge chunk of time for human history and and uh, a lot of time for people to leave their mark on the land and in the caves itself, obviously. I absolutely believe Mammoth Cave is a prime area for some kind of paranormal activity, for sure.
0: So supposedly... There are more than 150 documented paranormal events that have taken place in Mammoth. Some of them even experienced by like park rangers and the scientists who work in the park. It's even been said that it is the most haunted natural wonder in the world. I don't know who says it, but supposedly it's been said. (laughs) And and I can understand why. Mm -hmm. You don't hear a lot about natural. Places being haunted. True. They're usually, you know, man made fixtures. Um, By I mean I means, someone even wrote an entire book of scary stories for mammoth. Like, that's wild. So, one would naturally assume that a lot of the spirits haunt and linger in the cave are likely those of some of the first explorers. I mean, we have to remember this place was found and explored well before modern technology existed. And it was very easy to get lost inside the long rambling passageways. It was dark. It was quiet. And once you're deep in, getting turned around is a surefire bet. Over time, it was also discovered that the climate of the cave, like the dryness of some of the passages, because it's not all a wet cave. There are dry areas and there probably have been for a very long time. And the minerals that made up the cave were very prime for body preservation. So there were definitely instances of new explorers discovering the bodies of those who'd gone before them that hadn't made it out, still in pretty decent shape, despite having been there and dead for quite a while. Think um when they found Chester Copperpot in the Goonies. Oh, wow. But, you know, Chester Copperpot had kind of decayed these people were more preserved than that like that to me it would be way scarier to stumble upon a dead body that's almost mummified and more pristine looking than a skeleton oh agreed for sure that would that would traumatize me (laughs) Mm. there is speculation though that the original explorers of the cave system which was the natives use the cave as a type of burial ground it was believed that if they buried their dead inside the caverns, that their spirit could easily transition to the afterlife. Now, just saying right here, right now, I can't find any real confirmation on that, so take that with a grain of salt. I don't know that that's true. What I do know is there are caves in the area where there are dead bodies, including a cave system near where I live, but I really can't confirm that as fact when it comes to mammoth. Did people die there? Absolutely. Is it possible bodies are still there? Sure. Did the natives use it as a burial ground? I'm not totally sold on that. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just saying, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can't say that isn't possible. There's there's still so much of that case system, as you've already said, that's not been explored that no one's actually gone into. And it does seem like a prime area to do such a thing, even if there's no evidence um you know in the areas explored by us and with modern technology and has been recorded one thing for sure as you said there are definitely people who have died in there um so even if the Native Americans had intentionally put them there you know for the intent of burying them for their voyage to the afterlife
0: yeah I'm like I couldn't confirm that and in interesting that theory it's one of those things I can see definitely being hearsay, like somebody's, oh, because I don't know if you remember this, when I took you on your first cave tour here, I can remember one of the tourists, they weren't from around here, they would never really been in a cave, asked the tour guide if the natives lived in the cave, and I very distinctly remember him telling them no, that a lot of them were uneasy or had, like, um, not fear, but didn't think those were good places to live because yes. they were always dark
1: yes it was like a taboo thing yeah for them
0: to do i remember that conversation. they tended to shelter if they did stay in a cave system in the front
1: yes they i remember it. that
0: so i'm like why would they bury people in places they didn't necessarily live because nothing i found said anything about the natives living in the cave right they mined it for resources yes
1: they used yes you said they were mining it it's an interesting theory but one that i yeah I, I don't I don't know if I believe that they yeah, would be dead there. That dog
0: didn't really hunt for me, so <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but um, okay, let's rewind back to 1839 when the aforementioned Doctor Krogan bought Mammoth Cave for ten thousand dollars. Whoa! And I know back then that was a lot of money, but in like context of today, I'm like, could you imagine buying Mammoth Cave for ten thousand dollars? Um, this was over a hundred years before it was designated a national park. If you've ever been to Mammoth, it's very likely you've heard of Stefan Bishop. I think it's Stefan Bishop, not Stephen Bishop. If it's Stephen, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm saying his name wrong. I'm, I'm taking it how it's written, which was Stephen. Um, but he was one of the most famous and accomplished explorers and cave guides to ever work in the caves. Now, Bishop was a slave who was sold to Krogan as part of the quote unquote deal he made to buy the cave. So the $10,000 wasn't just for the cave system and the property. It was for people. Yeah, horrible, but you know, we can't change written history, um, unfortunately. So that was part of the deal. When well, I have it written as Stephen. <laughs> so I think it was just a boo-boo. <laughs> So from here, he is Stephen. I'm pretty. It's Stephen. It's not Stephen. Stephen is way too modern of a name. Like, where was my brain? But um, anyway. <laughs> well, I guess it could still technically be pronounced Stephen.
1: Uh, yeah, it's Stephen. Sort of the French pronunciation, from
0: what I understand. But I think it's I Stephen. took it as Stephen. It's Stephen. It, we would call it Stephen. Um, okay. Stephen Bishop was amazing. Um, he would converse with tourists about the cave formations. He had discovered most of them. So, you know, that's pretty awesome. Um, He mapped over 20 miles of passages. He even discovered the albino fish that live in Echo River. So we have this incredible man working hard to map out the cave and make sure people are seeing and appreciating it while Dr. Krogan was doing some other stuff. (laughs) Like trying to turn the cave into a hospital whoa now this was a period in time when tuberculosis was rampant not quite as bad as it would become in the early 1900s but it's definitely not great um his thought process was hey it's a constant 54 degrees in here it stays consistent this is absolutely the cure for consumption so he built 11 huts inside the cavern, and moved in 15 TB patients. His so-called consumption colony failed miserably, as two patients died in the first year, and everyone else just got sicker. Eventually, Krogan himself died from TB in 1949, 10 years after he purchased the cave. You can actually still see these consumptive cabins on certain cave doors. In front of the cabins is a stone slab where bodies of the dead patients were placed before being taken from the cave. They call it corpse rock. And supposedly, if you listen, you can hear the patients coughing.
1: Oh, jeez. I remember hearing about Bishop while we were visiting Mammoth Cave two years ago on the tour, and I always thought like that story was amazing i also find it interesting uh there were so many different things they were trying to do for tuberculosis i think people being in the caves of mammoth in the hospitals out in the you know i think of mammoth i think of what they were trying to do at waverly um you know with the cold winter air but i know you're going to talk about that at a later date uh so i find that very interesting all the different things they tried, like shoving people in a cave uh (laughs) bishop though was he was absolutely fascinating person to learn about
0: at mammoth well worth reading about for sure oh definitely definitely um but moving forward to 1856 a year after gaining his freedom stephen bishop died there's no known cause for death that i could find but he and other slave guides are buried in the old guide cemetery which is pretty close to the cave system It is said that Bishop and the other guides return to the cave now and then, checking in on how the new guides are doing and to keep up with the place they came to love and respect so well. So I guess if there was a reason to haunt a place, it would be because you just really loved it. When you do the Violet City Tour of the cave, one of the aspects of the tour is to give tourists an idea of what it was like to visit the cave before there were electric lights installed or flashlights like we have today. This happens on a lot of cave tours. It's called a blackout. They shut off all the lights and everyone just stands quietly. You hear nothing, you see nothing. Sensory deprivation, more or less. Some rangers have claimed to have been shoved by unseen forces during this experience. And some folks have reported hearing footsteps from nearby in the darkness. A few have even been touched by someone or something when nobody's standing near them. Now I've been on a lot of cave doors and have done a lot of these blackout moments. If something reached out in the dark and touched me, I would shit my pants.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the blackout moment. I've done that twice now. Once was in mammoth. That was intense. That is the first word that actually comes to mind. Cause it was a science that I had never experienced. Um, it, it just it was it was sensory deprivation. It wasn't just quiet. It was silence. And the the other thing I felt, which I did not feel the first time I had done that in another cave tour closer to, to your neck of the woods, was I felt like the darkness and mammoth stared back at me. Not that nothing bad, but just it felt oppressive in a way. I can agree though that in that moment, if something had touched me, brushed me, pushed me, anything <laughs> I would have screamed and simultaneously shit my pants. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine being down there in the dark and then feeling something was with me because
0: the dark was intense enough. Oh gosh, the thought of it. Quick sidebar, when I was in middle school, we went to the cave system near where I live a lot. And yes. we were there and we were doing a cave tour and it was raining that day. So one of our teachers who went with us had an umbrella. The other teacher, the female teacher was terrified of bats. And we had just seen a bat and the guide like, you know, took it down off the wall. Let us kind of touch its head. You know, nothing weird. Like we weren't like manhandling a bat and they did the blackout and they turned off the lights. And when they turn off the lights, the teacher, the male teacher with the umbrella shook it. So it sounded like wings flapping. And I swear to God, that woman's soul left her body. <laughs> She's amazing and the guide like flipped the light back on, and we were all staring like, "Oh my God, was somebody murdered?" And it was just her like dying a quick death because she thought there were bats. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I feel for her. I I I do. <laughs> see I'm the opposite I would have had my arms out like the crow like come to me my children yeah okay. you do want to be a bat whisperer <laughs> um among the spirits said to haunt Mammoth Cave one particular one that comes up often is the spirit of a woman named Melissa a letter was reportedly discovered and implied she lived near the cave and had for quite some time now I'm not sure of an exact date on any of this but speculation says something in the mid 1800s or so you know was the time Anyway, she of course fell in love with a man named Mr. Beverly who was her tutor. He didn't feel the same for her and instead fell fell in love with her neighbor. Melissa in a gnarly act of revenge led Mr. Beverly into the cave and just left him there. He wasn't familiar with the passages and subsequently died of exposure some claim that melissa still visits the cave and that the man is still trying to find his way out even in death see that is
1: that is high key horrifying for me i am not afraid of caves obviously or even small spaces but i do have uh, a mild phobia of being trapped so the idea of being left in a cave system that deep to, in the dark to wander around is up there in like the top 10 worst things this woman could have possibly done to me knowing the silence and being in the dark there I, i'm i'm shivering thinking about it i then to wander like that for all eternity no 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 i'm out
0: <laughs> i think i'm i'm not scared of obviously i'm not scared of caves i'm i'm not scared of small spaces i'm, I'm not really scared of any of that but there is something about when you're in a cave and there's always a moment, and I don't know if everybody has this moment, but I always do, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm inside the earth. Yes. There's so much weight on top of me. Yes,
1: I've, I, I've had thing. that. It is how much world and earth is above you. But and it no. wasn't
0: terrifying, but it was heavy. And and you're like, wow, I'm inside this, but it's been here for like thousands of years. I don't know it's just crazy but this kind of left in it yeah and this kind of segues into the next thing I want to talk about um, which is Floyd Collins do you know anything about him
1: the only thing I I know was because we were there and his name came up as I just know he was a caver from Kentucky that and that's all I I really know just that and, and his name I heard it while we were
0: in that general area so William Floyd Collins, known simply as Floyd, was a Kentucky native from Logan County. And starting when he was pretty young, he developed himself a hobby of exploring caves. And this led to the discovery of Crystal Cave in 1917, which was beneath the land where his family farm was. Um, Eventually, he turned the cave into a tourist attraction famous for its helicite and gypsum cave formations. Weirdly enough, I have not been in Crystal Cave. I'm not really sure why I haven't. Um, I would definitely like to make a trip down there specifically for that. I just haven't done it, but um, back to the topic. Cave tourism was super competitive. So much so that this era earned the title of Cave Wars. Now, Crystal Cave wasn't making much money because it was in a pretty remote location. So Floyd set out to explore Sand Cave, another cave that he knew about on property owned by Beasley Doyle. This spot was likely to be much more lucrative because it sat on Cave City Road. So folks going to Mammoth Cave would have to pass it on their way there.
1: I remember during our time around Mammoth Cave, there were a lot of signs for Crystal Cave. I remember seeing it being very well advertised. And I would love to make the trip to see it as well, especially now that I'm beginning to learn some
0: creepy history around it. What's really funny is I've been to Wind Cave. It's like South Dakota, but I've never been to Crystal Cave. Yeah. It's close to <laughs> my house. Anyway, yeah. Um... So, Floyd Collins entered Sand Cave on January 30th, 1925, armed with only a single kerosene lantern. He quickly found himself squeezing through tight passageways with one so tight he had to inch through on his stomach with the one arm stretched ahead of him to push the lantern while the other arm stayed pressed to his side. Up ahead of him, beyond this squeeze, the cave opened up. But his light began to flicker. Mm. And he knew enough about caving to know that losing light was perilous. So he began to retreat back the way he came. He began a second pass through the tight crawl space, but his foot dislodged a 27 pound rock that trapped him by wedging his ankle in place against the wall of the squeeze he tried to dislodge himself but he just became trapped in this glorified stone casket.
1: Nope. Nope, nope, nope. This is... I already mentioned this fear. I feel
0: like I know where this is going. Nope. (laughs) Oh, poor Floyd. Well, it didn't take long for folks to discover that Floyd was trapped in, in Sand Cave and rescue efforts started fairly quickly. Engineers, geologists, cavers... You know, all these other people were called in from all over the state to come help. When initial means of rescue failed, miners started to dig a shaft in hopes of reaching him. They worked day and night to figure out a way to dislodge him, but they encountered a lot of obstacles. Rain, cold weather, cave collapses, and arguments between the rescue teams really slowed down the efforts but they tried for 17 days to rescue him and all of their attempts ultimately failed at this point the place turned into a three-ring circus and I, i wish i was joking the story exploded nationally reaching far beyond cave city people started showing up from all over vendors set up to sell food drinks and freaking souvenirs it got so bad that the state of Kentucky had to send troops to maintain order at the cave site reporters rolled up from all over including William Burke Miller they called him skeets because he wasn't and I quote much bigger than a mosquito He made several trips to the cave and actually interviewed Floyd. And those interviews actually wound up winning him a Pulitzer prize. Wow. So can you imagine this? You're stuck in a cave. They can't get you out. The media and rubberneckers show up and are more or less having a great time up above. Just hanging out while you're dying in a hole you can't get out of.
1: Wow. I I want to say I, I can't believe that would ever happen, but I remember that team, that that sports team that got trapped in that cave in Thailand after the rapid rising water levels uh, blocked their exit and how that became an international story. Like, I remember the new cycles were just obsessed with the rescue missions to get this team out Now, there was no three-ring circus with vendors, you know, like selling snacks at the cave entrance. But for a while, that became one of the only things people were talking about during that summer. So I, I find it not that unbelievable when I think about that, that, you know, people came from far and wide for this story. However, to hear that people were actually enjoying the event with Floyd literally dying below them that that's morbid that's messed up
0: see and w- when i think of like spectacles over like ooh, something like that i always just think of baby jessica <laughs> Which oh stuck in the well <laughs> yes and that became like the biggest news yes. story ever and i'm like oh my god this child could have died okay anyway enough about baby jessica On day 18, rescuers finally reached Floyd via a 55-foot vertical shaft, but they were too late. Floyd was pronounced dead of exposure, and Sand Cave was sealed up with his body still inside. Months later, they did remove his body for a formal burial, and he was buried on the family farm near Crystal Cave. Eventually, the property was purchased by a man who used Floyd's body as a tourist attraction. He put the man in a glass-topped coffin, sat it out for viewing, and charged people to look at it. In 1929, the body was actually stolen, but it was eventually recovered. They found Floyd's remains in a nearby field, though someone had taken the injured leg of the caver. It hasn't ever been found. Eventually, when the National Park Service bought the property, The family begged to have Floyd taken off public display inside of Crystal Cave. The park service obliged, and he was reburied and was put to rest in Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery. Weirdly enough, Floyd's death did prove to do some good. It turned the attention of the nation to cave country here in Kentucky, and thus a desire to protect these spaces. This would eventually lead to Mammoth Cave becoming a national park in 1941. But the story isn't over yet.
1: Oh, oh, I doubt it. <laughs> um, the story like that with a body that was trapped and then it was removed and then it was exhumed and then it was put on display and then had
0: parts stolen. I, I have to assume Floyd's not done. It is said by some that a lot of ghostly activity happens around the areas with Floyd Collins and his death some say they've heard his voice calling for help and others have told of objects being thrown at them it was also discovered that the caves explored and discovered by him are connected to mammoth as part of one large cave system folks believe that floyd haunts these caves forever you know haunting the place of his demise tormented by the fact that his dying moments were lauded as a spectacle And that he wasn't allowed to rest even after his death. What do you think? Does Floyd Collins haunt the place where he died? Oh,
1: absolutely. I, As I've said, I've never been to Crystal Cave. Uh, However, after such a terrifying death and then being absolutely just not allowed to rest. No peace. To me, that is the perfect recipe for creating a paranormal experience, creating a haunt. Not to mention, there's still a piece of him missing. Who knows where it is? His leg is missing. That, to me, is automatically bad. Like, no. And if I were to hear a man crying for help somewhere in a cave, I would be terrified. But I would also not be shocked to discover Floyd Collins was wandering around, restless down there, without a leg.
0: (laughs) Poor Floyd and his missing leg. Yes, that's horrible. So, knowing caves as I do... I can't imagine the horror of being trapped like that. And the sad reality is that accidents like this still happen even today. I mean, just look at what took place at Nutty Putty Cave. I don't know if you know anything about Nutty Putty, but it was another instance. Somebody got stuck and they couldn't get them out and they died. I do
1: remember. Yeah, and
0: it's not been long ago. Um, Technology doesn't always mean things are safer. Which begs the question, should we be exploring these places at all? These aren't places that people were necessarily meant to go, and yet we continue to return. While I do love it, I could never be one of those people that explore first and worry about consequences later. Give me a nice tour, maybe some light spelunking, but that's about it for me. Agreed. All right, spookies. That does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the ghost of Mammoth Cave. And MJ, thanks for joining again. It was a joy and a pleasure to talk about Mammoth with you and the spookies. Thanks for having me back. See you guys soon for episode four. And as always, don't go out alone after dark.